Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Luke chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Luke. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Luke chapter 1 verses 18 to 25. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. This is the word of the Lord. We see in this passage the power of unbelief in a good man. Righteous and holy as Zechariah was, the announcement of the angel appeared to him incredible. He cannot think it possible that an old man like himself should have a son. How shall I know this, he says, for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. A well-instructed Jew like Zechariah ought not to have raised such a question. No doubt he was well acquainted with the Old Testament scriptures. He ought to have remembered the wonderful births of Isaac and Samson and Samuel in old times. He ought to have remembered that what God had done once, he can do again, and that with him nothing is impossible. But he forgot all this. He thought of nothing but the arguments of mere human reason and sense. And it often happens in religious matters that where reason begins, faith ends. Let us learn in wisdom from the fault of Zechariah. It is a fault to which God's people in every age have been sadly liable. The histories of Abraham and Isaac and Moses and Hezekiah and Jehoshaphat will all show us that a true believer may sometimes be overtaken by unbelief. It is one of the first corruptions which came into man's heart in the day of the fall, when Eve believed the devil rather than God. It is one of the most deep-rooted sins by which a saint is plagued, and from which he is never entirely freed until he dies. Let us pray daily, Lord, increase my faith. Let us not doubt that when God says a thing, that thing shall be fulfilled. We see furthermore in these verses the privilege and portion of God's angels. They carry messages to God's church. They enjoy God's immediate presence. The heavenly messenger who appears to Zechariah rebukes his unbelief by telling him who he is. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you. The name Gabriel would doubtless fill the mind of Zechariah with humiliation and self-abasement. He would remember it was the very same Gabriel who, 490 years before, had brought to Daniel the prophecy of the 70 weeks and had told him how Messiah should be cut off, Daniel 9.26. He would doubtless contrast his own sad unbelief when peaceably ministering as a priest in God's temple 
with the faith of holy Daniel when dwelling in a captive Babylon while the temple at Jerusalem was in ruins. Zechariah learned a lesson that day which he never forgot. The account which Gabriel gives of his own office should raise in our minds great searchings of heart. This mighty spirit, far greater in power and intelligence than we are, counts it his highest honor to stand in God's presence and do his will. Let our aims and desires be in the same direction. Let us strive so to live that we may one day stand with boldness before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. The way to this high and holy position is open before us. Christ has consecrated it for us by the offering of his own body and blood. May we endeavor to walk in it during the short time in this present life, so that we may stand in our lot with God's elect angels in the endless ages of eternity. Daniel 12:13. We see, finally, in this passage, how exceedingly sinful is the sin of unbelief in the sight of God. The doubts and questionings of Zechariah brought down upon him a heavy chastisement. You shall be silent, says the angel, and not able to speak because you did not believe my words. It was a chastisement particularly suitable to the offense. The tongue that was not ready to speak the language of believing praise was struck speechless. It was a chastisement of long continuance. For nine long months at least, Zechariah was condemned to silence and was daily reminded that by unbelief he had offended God. Few sins appear to be so particularly provoking to God as the sin of unbelief. None certainly have called down such heavy judgments on men. It is a particular denial of God's almighty power to doubt whether he can do a thing when he undertakes to do it. It is giving the lie to God to doubt whether he means to do a thing when he has plainly promised that it shall be done. The forty years' wandering of Israel in the wilderness should never be forgotten by professing Christians. The words of Paul are very solemn. They could not enter in because of unbelief. Hebrews 3.19 Let us watch and pray daily against this soul-ruining sin. Concessions to it rob believers of their inward peace, weaken their hands in the day of battle, bring clouds over their hopes, Make their chariot wheels drive heavily. According to the degree of our faith will be our enjoyment in Christ's salvation, our patience in the day of trial, our victory over the world. Unbelief, in short, is the true cause of a thousand spiritual diseases, and once allowed to nestle in our hearts, will eat as does a canker. If you will not believe, you will not be established. Isaiah 7.9 In all that respects the pardon of our sins, and the acceptance of our souls, the duties of our particular station, and the trials of our daily life, let it be a settled maxim in our religion to trust every word of God implicitly and to beware of unbelief. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we've just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, when is the last time we prayed, Lord, increase my faith? Second, the angel Gabriel counts it his highest honor to stand in the presence of God and do his will. Jesus, through his work on the cross, has brought us into the presence of God. 
And so it is a good question. Do we count it our highest honor to stand in the presence of God and wash in the blood of Jesus to do his will? Would we pray for grace to fear the Lord above all? And third, do we live in the reality that unbelief is a grievous sin? Or do we believe that designation belongs only to the big sins like sexual morality or murder? Would we pray like the Father does to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief?